You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to the room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode number 321, we're discussing Obi-Wan Kenobi and Avatar 2 trailers and the Moon Knight season finale. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. And I'm Carlos. And guys, before we really deep dive into this episode, we gotta put a little PSA out there because coming at you this week is two episodes on the Nerd Room podcast feed. You're getting this news episode on our weekly drop, on the Thursday drop, but also tomorrow coming out Friday, so it'll likely be in the feed just after you listen to this, is our Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness review. So make sure to plug in twice this week to the Nerd Room and check out our big breakdown of Doctor Strange and his foray into the multiverse but this week guys on this episode we're going to be talking about star wars obi-wan kenobi and of course that massive avatar 2 trailer and we're also going to be wrapping things up with moon knight and we're going to be taking you through in our normal new standardized format of breaking down those stories and a bunch more interwoven into that and so, Carlos, we're not going to waste any more time. We've got this episode. We've got the Multiverse of Madness coming at us. But we got to get over to this week in Nerd. All right, everyone. Welcome to This Week in Nerd. We're talking about the latest and the greatest from the world of Nerd. And again, Carlos, unfortunately, this is becoming too often of a common occurrence how we have to start or how we want to start the S episodes. Yeah, unfortunately, for the second week in a row, another legendary, and I almost, like, the word legendary is almost too small mm. to describe Mr. George Perez, who passed away at age 67 uh, from cancer. But the body of work that this man has put forth and the sheer volume of indelible and iconic images that has crossed all our eyes over his lifetime and the characters that he's given us are absolutely unbelievable, right? Like on the Avengers side, he gave us Taskmaster. On the DC side, he gives us Deathstroke. He's mm -hmm. the guy whose pencils gave us the the legendary Superman crying, carrying Supergirl because he did all of crisis. He did the first four issues of the infinity gauntlet. Yes. He drew, he drew justice league versus the Avengers. He, you know, did that relaunch of the fantastic four with Marv Wolfman. He did the seminal and legendary run of the teen Titans uh, with Marv Wolfman after that even the first crossovers of the modern era with like Superman, Silver Surfer and things of that nature, like Wonder Woman being given some agency for the first time ever. It all, and probably the most profound thing of this guy was just how much poise and grace and how charming he was. And this was a man that just truly loved comic books and comic book characters. Like, he worked with Marvel, worked with DC, did his own creator, own stuff. 
he was just all over the place for love of the art, love of the characters, was always on the convention circuit. And you could tell it's not because he had to be, but because he enjoyed it, like genuinely enjoyed it. And I had opportunity to interact with him a couple times and like just, you know, he smile on his face, drawing as fast as he could because he wanted to get as many people out the door with sketches and memories and always happy to sign. And man, like he, he's just such a loss. Like this one really hurt to be honest with you Mm -hmm. because everything he did was so, had so much care, so much attention and was always so special. Like he never sloughed it on a panel a page, a cover, nothing. And like, he's done so many legendary things within DC. It's, it's unreal. So yeah, this is a tremendous loss for the mm-hmm. industry and the community. Mm-hmm. Very well said, man. It's another difficult tone to, to start the podcast on. And my personal experience with George Perez is, has been quite significant because those infinity gauntlet books are near and dear to me. I have them, the original floppies and, it was a book that I returned to so many times. And to be honest with you, the story is good, but the art is superior. Mm-hmm. It is so good in that. And I had those books issue one and four hanging on my wall for years, absolute years, because I think they're two of the most iconic and two of the best covers that I have ever seen. And I remember experiencing the Avengers vs. Justice League stuff when Sanjay passed it to me. he's done so much iconic and great things. And like you said, him being out on the circuit and delivering for people constantly, another huge loss inside of this community. So rest in peace, George, and to his family, his friends, and everyone grieving. Many, many condolences from here in the nerd room. Mm -hmm. All right, my man. Like like I said last week, it is very difficult to transition off of those, but... We must, and here we go. Let's let's jump into some of the news here, and we got to kick it off with Star Wars. Last week, Star Wars week, we celebrated a little bit here in the Nerd Room. May the 4th has come and gone. We are building towards celebration and the debut on May 27th of the next big Star Wars Disney Plus show, and that is Obi-Wan Kenobi. And Lucasfilm treated us on May the 4th, Star Wars Day, to the next, maybe final, but a full trailer for the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. This looks in freaking credible. I was sitting there with goosebumps through the entirety of this trailer. The Star Wars imagery is on full display as this trailer really pulls back and frames out a bit more of the journey that Obi-Wan Kenobi is going to go on, evading the Inquisitors, protecting Luke, but also looking towards the future because there's that really cool moment in there with Lars Owen, played by a a an actor reprising that role for Revenge of the Sith and Joel Egerton, talking about Luke's training. I love that. We see the Empire side of things. This is going to be a significant piece of this show as well. And a nice little tease of one Darth Vader really holding back on that full reveal, which I loved. They did that in the trailer. I want to experience that sitting, watching this for the first time. So Carlos, talk to me a little bit about here, about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Man, this trailer, it was so uncivilized with the <laughs> use of blasters all over the place by our boy uh, Obi-Wan. <laughs> but uh, no, I I loved it. Like just the tone and the pitch mm. of this thing, the way it looks, like it, it, this trailer looked just 
so cinematic and so sweeping yes. compared to even like something that you'd see in the theaters this week kind of thing. So I I loved the trailer. I loved how they presented it as the Inquisitors hunting for him because they hate what the Jedi stand for. And if you know where the Inquisitors originate from, and I'm sure they'll get into it in the show, that makes it pretty unique and pretty personal. And then also that they frame it up that there's this inevitable collision that's going to occur between mm-hmm. Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi. And yeah, I can't wait to see those reveals and realizations of Obi-Wan facing off against Anakin again. And, you know, we get to see a battle that we actually don't know anything about. Like, obviously, they both walk away from it in some respect because they got to meet one more time in A New Hope. But, you know, so many of the other epic Star Wars battles, there's been something written or something put to screen somewhere that gives you a bit of a hint as to how it's going to go down. But with this one, we know nothing. We know Mm. nothing about it. So... Yeah, I'm I'm super excited for it and just to see where his journey goes, who he runs into. Man, I don't know. Is it like I'm loving everything that they're putting down with this and who knows, maybe even Cal Kestis will show up. There's so. there's buzz. There's buzz about it. About Cal Kestis maybe showing up here. We do see what looks to be like Forlom, bounty hunter in here from Empire Strikes Back. We see Camille Najahadi. He looks like he is a Jedi in this. It's being chased by the Inquisitors. Look like he might be a sacrificial Jedi in this. Or becoming an Yeah. I don't know. That's kind of how I took that. We Oh, becoming an Inquisitor? Maybe. Maybe. Interesting. Okay. Maybe he's the Grand Inquisitor. I don't know. But no, because that guy's actually cast already. That's, that's Han from Fast and the Furious. But yeah, Disney. There's like yeah. literally over a billion of us. Kumal Naljiani <laughs> is not the only brown guy out there. Cast any like cast freaking Sanjay. I don't care. <laughs> but just somebody I love the guy. He's very talented, but literally over a billion brown guys for you to choose from. You don't need to use him in everything. Well, they are. <laughs> <laughs> so, it the thing about the cinematic feel to it interesting that you put that down because i showed this to my wife i said what do you think of this and then i showed her the avatar 2 trailer and we'll get to that in just a minute but she said <laughs> oh when does this movie come out i said no no no, it's not a movie it's a tv show she says what this looks like a movie it mm-hmm. this trailer is a cinematic piece the fact that we're gonna get what could be upwards of like four hours of an obi-wan show that is this expansive and like we've said before with The Mandalorian and even Book of Boba Fett, the shackles are off here. It's all on the table with Obi-Wan, Vader, everything. And so don't be surprised by anything. Anything can happen in this show. This might as well be a big, epic, on-screen version of it. And I say on-screen, big screen. So Obi-Wan Kenobi, man, it is coming fast and furious. It is a limited series, but a series that will not be limited, that is building into a much grander narrative, Ahsoka. I know there's some hype in your household for this. And we got a first image that was posted on the Star Wars Twitter account that they have officially started production as of May 9th on the Ahsoka Disney Plus TV show that will be taking place inside of that Mando era of storytelling, building off of Mando Season 1, Season 2, and the Book of Boba Fett. Well, yeah. Happy birthday to me. Like, yes. 
both uh, Rosario and I, Ahsoka herself, share a birthday. And it's kind of cool <laughs> that they started production on the show on her birthday. So, yeah, this is one that's high on everybody's uh, wish list in my house for a multitude of reasons. But I honestly, I'm fascinated to see where they take this because... Mm-hmm. She's honestly one of the most interesting characters in Star Wars because she's a good guy with a lightsaber, but not a Jedi. So there's a lot of nuance and a lot of freedom with that, which I think will be cool to explore and to see where it goes. And I know enough of the Rebel stuff to be dangerous, but uh, yeah, I'll be, I'm curious to see how much of that rabbit hole they go down. They certainly teased it being her journey. Mm-hmm. during her appearance in Mando. So we'll see. Yeah, man. It It is being produced by both Favreau and Filoni and written by Dave Filoni, the man that, that brought this character to life inside of the Clone Wars and has really had a heavy hand in her progression throughout the history of Star Wars since 2013 or so, or whenever she was first put to screen in that original Clone Wars movie. And so the fact that he is likely going to be directing a few episodes, I don't think that hat placement was an accident on the edge of that picture that they posed there with with the Ahsoka title across the director's chair and all that. So I, yeah, I don't know when this is coming out. Probably this time next year would be my guess. Um, there's a Mando season three maybe in between there. And there's an Andor series or two as well going on. So we're starting to see the momentum build here like we talked about last week with Star Wars. And seeing this kickoff production just puts another feather in that Star Wars cap as it grows out here on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exciting times. Exciting times. And the other thing that got me super excited, just hot off the presses this morning, was they released the first gameplay footage of Ooh. Gotham Knights. And man, this thing blew my mind. And I could tell the exact second that Troy got off work because that Twitter feed and the DM just exploded from <laughs> me putting it out there. But uh, man, this game looks better than I ever ever expected it to. Like, it captures, it's definitely got that lineage of the Gotham or the Arkham games. But at the same time, it seems to be a bigger, more vast uh, city kind of akin to Spider-Man PS4 and it's got a variety of street level missions and a bit of an open world going on but I was amazed at how differently the characters played between Very cool. Nightwing and Red Hood like vastly vastly different and like honestly the only complaint I have is that I know I'm not going to be able to play as Nightwing who totally had that style that I love to play with, but got to leave that guy for my man, Troy. So, you know, Jason's cool, but we'll see what, what Tim and Babs bring. But, uh, man, this thing got me all sorts of hype. Like, it just looks fan-freaking-tastic. And, you know, delays suck for games, but it looks pretty tight, and it looks a lot more refined than the last time we saw the game. So, you know what? Good things come to those who wait, and I'd rather you know, they put out a completed product with as few bugs as possible than to have something like a cyberpunk 2777 mm-hmm. where you have a decent game, but it's completely DOA because it's so buggy. Nah, jeez. Well, it, it's the first time we saw the gameplay was DC fandom one, correct? And yes. so they, they've come a long way. When's this due out? Is this a 2022 drop? Yeah. October. So just a few October. more months. Yeah. Wow, man, you guys gone too far, not too far along 
to to wait on this one so very excited for you guys i don't i didn't see the trailer i didn't even realize it dropped but it's pretty cool that you're getting that amount of gameplay and you're seeing this sort of excitement roll around behind it so i'm super pumped for you guys on this one yeah and like the reception has been pretty effusive so um i'm i'm hyped and i'm glad that people are stoked and like just the the kid gave me a bit of insight into their little group snapchat thing or whatever it was and like they're all going crazy so i think they have a hit on it on their hands so long as it's good yeah it might have sold me the bloody mcfarland figures that i've kept myself away from but (laughs) sometimes it just takes that little push (laughs) yeah well another thing that that could potentially be a big hit this year inside of 2022 coming out just a month or two after gotham knights does is avatar 2 (laughs) Well, we got to get our weekly avatar chat in here. Look, got to say, this is going to be a very short spot. Saw the, the trailer in front of Doctor Strange, had not seen it online. Showed it to my wife. She says, is this a video game? What is this? I don't care about Avatar. I'm not going to make any sort of judgment on Avatar. I've done, I've said my piece with it, but I did want to relay on my wife's indifference towards Avatar. She says, I don't care if I ever see this. I'll probably watch it on Disney+. Plus." <laughs> So there yeah. it is. The trail looked fine. I thought it looked like a video game too. Man, it's funny. It's funny. So I did similar. I didn't watch it online knowing that I was like, well, I'm going to end up seeing Doctor Strange 2 pretty quick here. So I'll just wait. So end up going to see it. And the kid sitting next to me is like, what is this? Completely unfamiliar with <laughs> with Avatar and the Navi and stuff. And then my youngest daughter, when one of them, she's like, oh, they talk. (laughs) Because she was totally oblivious as to what they were all about. And then just kind of looking at the reactions and stuff where um, people are like, yeah, this looks exactly like Avatar 1. And then other people are like, well, no, look look how much better it looks in doing the side-by-side comparisons. And to take it back to that last piece, yeah, I should hope it looks better. Because when Avatar 1 came out, the PS3 was just a year to two years, I think, into its life cycle. And we were coming up on the second anniversary of the PlayStation 5. <laughs> so James Cameron, Sony has put out three consoles in the time that it's taken you to put out one Avatar sequel. So I should hope that it looks better. Um, yeah, this looked a lot like just more of the first movie, which is fine if you're a fan, but not something that sold me a ticket. That's for sure. Yeah, we always come back to that. If you love it, love it, guys. Go out there, enjoy it, embrace it, have the all the Avatar fun you want. But it, it unfortunately, it's just not doing it for me. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it it's fine, but uh, not something that got me excited. But what did get me excited is the news that dropped this week that we are getting our next The Suicide Squad spinoff in the form of an Amanda Waller show starring Mm. one Viola Davis. So I was crazy excited about this. Uh, James Gunn is one of the producers on this. And I was like, oh, shoot, he's not going to be the showrunner and the main writer, but the showrunner and main writer is the lady that did the Emmy Award-winning Watchmen series in Mm. concert with James Gunn. And, man, Amanda Waller, what an inspired character to take your shot with and how cool is it that you have an academy award-winning actress in viola davis wanting to come back and do this uh 
in a, an HBO Max project. And really with Amanda Waller, literally every character is up for grabs. Mm-hmm. She's she's somebody who in the comics took Batman to task in her bathroom and has, you know, brought Superman to his knees before. So it'll be interesting to see where they take the show and it'll be cool to see how she bounces back from where her daughter left her at the end of the Peacemaker show. So super excited for this. Like the sky is literally the limit for where you can take an Amanda Waller show and I'm there for it. So Mm -hmm. when I love too that James Gunn is here, he's, he's built this from the onset of not only the suicide squad, but the work that they did inside of the peacemaker. You can see the wheels turning now that this has been officially announced. You can see where James Gunn was going with this, this, this subtle seeds of Amanda Waller, even the it's, is it a post credit or it is in the last episode that Amanda Waller actually shows up again. Right. Yeah. In and, the last episode. Cause yeah. Adebayo does that press conference, right? Yeah. She's watching it live. Yes, and so outs. it is. It's such a natural, not only on top of Peacemaker too, but it's such a, a natural through line into another show that can juxtapose that the story that's going on inside of there. You can build this universe. Like, look at the progression that Gunn is going to make inside of the DC film universe in a very short amount of time, putting a big screen adaptation of the Suicide Squad, spinning out a hit show in Peacemaker, which is going to get a season two, and now you've got this Amanda Waller show to follow it up. This little universe that he's building over here, it is great. It is fun. And him being a part of this, maybe not in the the main creative hand that's pushing this, I think it's kind of cool. I think it's this showing how him pulling back and, and putting pieces into place, but letting other creatives take and, and run with these characters in possibly a slightly different direction. But him still having that slight oversight and that general direction or hand on the direction that these characters are going to. Mm-hmm. Well, and he's got just such a unique style mm-hmm. that it could start to wear thin if yeah. he's doing everything all the time. Yeah. But I think when you use him as just kind of to add value to your projects, that's it's it's the ideal scenario for them for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and talking about James Gunn here adding value to their projects, Disney recognized this a few years ago after a slight mistake of letting James Gunn go without completing out his Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy here. And it just so happens that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, just this past week, wrapped up principal photography and production for a film that isn't dropping until May 5th, 2023. So James Gunn's got a real running head start against a lot of these other MCU films that are coming out that just wrapped production a month or so ago and are meant to come out at the end of this year. And I am talking about Wakanda forever, but... James Gunn did take to Twitter, to Instagram, alongside of some of the other cast members to post that they had indeed wrapped production on the third installment of the Guardians of the Galaxy film. And this will be, I think, James Gunn's last foray into the MCU, into Marvel, and a story arc that he's been building since Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. In his post, as well as Dave Batista's, there is some finality to it as well, some some sense that they will be sending off these characters or these portrayal of the characters in a certain way with Dave Batista being outright in saying that this is it for him. This is him being done playing the character of Drax the Destroyer. And in the past, he said this is about him aging out of the character. The character itself is likely or might not be going anywhere, but he and himself playing this, this is the last time we're going to see Dave Batista playing Drax the Destroyer. So a little bit of finality there. 
cool to see that they've wrapped principal photography and i'm really excited to see what james gunn can bring back to the mcu and the guardians of the galaxy here yeah i'm super excited about james gunn bringing batista to play bane and whatever 100%. the next suicide squad project <laughs> is it's like here you can wear a shirt we'll yeah. allow you to wear a shirt maybe even a coat we gave tom hardy a coat so we'll give you a coat you can cover your nips but uh yeah. <laughs> no i in all seriousness i'm super excited for guardians 3 um, I think James Gunn is going to take his shot and leave all mm-hmm. the cards on the table. And yeah, it's going to be something special. It's something that, you know, really he's probably had laid out for a good well, four decade. or five years, right? Like, like oh yeah. He's got a decade like, into Guardians. Like 2014, that film came out. A couple years before that production, he's over a decade into this franchise. Yeah, so there you go, right? So... This story has been long gestating and he's had lots of time to think about, you know, I had this idea, but maybe that's not going to work. So do something else and make those adjustments. So, yeah, I think Guardians 3 will be a pretty special film. And, you know, if something ends, I think that's a good thing. You don't Mm -hmm. need things to go on forever until they're not viable anymore. So, yeah, if this is our last spin with this group of Guardians of the Galaxy, so be it, right? And then... You know, maybe we'll get a new group or maybe, who knows, the Nova Corps will, they'll do a police procedural that takes us through the galaxy and scratches that mm. itch for a while or or something else. So, Well, and yeah. very much to the comics, right? Like this, this roster, like the Suicide Squad, is constantly changing. Through time, it has changed. Characters come and go. The Guardians change. They evolve. And... I'm really excited to see where where he does take this. You know, there's some recent set photos out there, a little bit of a spoilers here, but there's a tease of things like the high evolutionary, the comic accurate suits from the 2008 iterations of the characters, which I am super, because that's where I found the guardians. Mm. And we've got Adam Warlock appearing in this as well. And so there's lots on the table here. Like you said, James Gunn's going to really, really, I think shoot for the, the stars on this one. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it should be an exciting film. And they've been kind of building to Adam Warlock having a role mm-hmm. in the MCU for a while, right? So Will Poulter's got those big pouty lips ready to go and, yeah, bring us something special, I'm sure. So what's next on the agenda for us to talk about? You know, we haven't gone into the world of Jurassic very much. Mm, I like and it. just today, Colin Trevorrow... Uh, unveiled a Dino Tracker app and website for where you can find dinosaurs within your own real world location, doing a bit of the geocaching type stuff or like the Pokemon Go uh, type idea. But I thought this was a pretty cool way to start building the promotion for the movie. And yeah, like Jurassic is hitting on all cylinders and I'm calling it right now. This is going to be the highest grossing movie of the year. I I just you know I'm putting all my eggs in Blue's nest and I think that uh, Jurassic is gonna be the the big hit of 2022 and you know I can't think of a more beloved franchise to take that crown and with them doing things like this and all the smart little promotional pieces yes. that Universal has been uh, seeding over the last little while they deserve it so. Yeah, man, like this was pretty cool, this this dino app tracker thing. And uh, I have a feeling that my youngest and I are going to spend the entire weekend just chasing dinos and, and it'll be sweet. The only thing that'll suck is that blue will be somewhere far and we will have to <laughs> make 
a Herculean effort to to get to her, but uh, yeah, it is what it is. Man, the guerrilla marketing that they're doing for a film of this magnitude, like this is like ground floor stuff. They could just be flashing up dinosaurs, big scenes with the big three. And they've been doing some of that with these articles that they're putting out and the interviewing the big three from the original franchise. But things like this, like you're saying, dinotracker.com, and you've got, what is it that, that is kind of part of this? The Department of Prehistoric Wildlife too, being mm-hmm. like the established group that is out there governing, if you will, the the dinosaurs or at least tracking them and doing the the wildlife the reclamation type thing with them and so it's really cool to try to bridge our world that world and what we would be experiencing this is happening and i think that really puts the audience in the mindset getting into this film as to what it's going to be without showing a frame more of the film than they already have yeah no it's it's perfect it's perfect so yeah this is this one's high high on the anticipation list and uh Man, do you got your tickets yet? Not yet. I'm a I'm a day of buy purchaser. I never buy my tickets in advance. Multiverse of Madness, I bought ten minutes before I went and saw the movie. <laughs> oh man, no, I I got ours all locked up, and it's like the the my Jurassic Kids dance schedule is so insane that we had one window to be able to go see it, and that's the one I had to buy the mm. tickets for. Bought the wrong tickets. Had to go to exchange them in person at the theater, <laughs> but. I, I have the correct ones now sitting on my fridge, ready to go. Wicked, so man. we are locked and loaded for opening night. Well, it's, it's funny because my experience, my initial experience is going to be whatever it is, whether it's solo go or whatever, to see this movie. But the piece I'm most excited for, a couple weeks after it does come out, I am going back home to see my parents. And my dad and I have experienced almost all, at least The Lost World, and particularly Jurassic Park 3 together in the theater. We did a back-to-back matinee evening. We did King Kong, the Peter Jackson version, followed by Jurassic Park 3 when it did come out in 2001. And here we are in 2022, almost 20 years later, watching the third installment of the Jurassic World franchise together again. I've already said to him, we're going to the theater. We're going to watch this. We're going to watch the previous two films independently because I'm only home for a couple of days. But let's build into this. Let's go see the third version of it again together 20 years later. That's what I'm excited about. My dad has always been a huge proponent of my Jurassic love and just embracing that and loving kind of the monster aspect of it because he's a big fan of the King Kong, the old King Kong movies and all that. And so we've always had a lot of fun with the dinosaur aspect of things. And so... That is where I'm most excited. Two, three weeks after it debuts on June 10th, I had to go see it with my dad. Oh, man, that'll be awesome. That'll be awesome. I, I do have to admit that I did kind of do a bit of trolling in your names being like, well, you know, like you got so much dance and like Uncle Tim wants to go. So, <laughs> you know, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. We'll just go see it later. You can't go see it without me. <laughs> as I as I look past her and there's this massive plastic blue. I was like, no, that is true. <laughs> no, it's all good, man. It, it is what it is. And the experiences is what we're really trying to, to get out of this whole thing, which mm-hmm. I love. I mean, I love that, that you, you have a kid that's so invested in Jurassic too. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. She was asking the other day, she's like, how come I never get sad when people die in movies, but when dinos die, I get totally sad. <laughs> I was like, that's because you got weird personality with your dad. <laughs> All right, man. Well, do you have any more news stories? Because we do have one thing that we're going to finish off the night with, and that is the the Moon Knight stuff. But if we got something else to insert here, we can certainly do that before we run through the season finale of this next big MCU show. You know what? Just one thing. 
because it does kind of walk on uh, my weekend nerd, but at the same time, I think it's got a little angle to it that you'll love too. And it is that the Batman Unburied scripted podcast came out on Spotify. And I didn't know what people would think of this. Like I tried the audio adventures one from HBO and it was okay. It didn't quite grab me, but uh, tried this one out. Uh, Winston Duke does the voice of Bruce Wayne thus far. The next two episodes, they dropped two episodes and then three and four came out just today. I haven't had a chance to get to them yet, but um, loved what I was hearing, but very abstract, very dark. And I was like, Man, I'm digging this, and I kind of see the lineage from a few of the other things that I've read or watched in this space, but I wonder if people will like this. Then we find out that people absolutely liked it, as it is the first thing ever to mm-hmm. unseat Joe Rogan um, from atop the Spotify uh, l- listener popularity charts. And... uh it just goes to show that Batman truly wins all the time and can defeat any evil as yeah. the Dark Knight <laughs> took out Joe Rogan handily. I love the way that you just put that. I, I can't <laughs> add any more to that. I did not know what it was. And I saw that it had, like you you put there, had taken over the number one spot on Spotify from Joe Rogan. I was like, yes, but it's got me intrigued. I want to listen to it now. And I think it's cool that the Batman continues to dominate in any medium he is put on. Yeah, and it's so different. Like it's, like I said, I I kind of see a bit of the lineage of things that have come before, but at the same time, it is completely and utterly unique and has a ton of facets and an approach that I've never come across. So it was cool. It was cool. And Winston Duke's Bruce Wayne voice was awesome. There's a few times that it drops and you can kind of hear Winston Duke. And so it breaks the illusion a bit. But on the whole, like his his voice was cool. Like it just has this smoothness to it, nice. as it always does. But yeah. his Bruce <laughs> voice, it just it just worked for me. It was awesome. So yeah, I, I liked it. And so yeah, it's it's definitely worthwhile listen um unlike the hbo one it's not really for the kids Mm. um so yeah or anybody that you know has a good imagination but doesn't like kind of gory stuff um because no spoilers it's literally the first seconds of the show but he's a forensic pathologist in this and so it's him doing an autopsy and then they, they have very good uh, Foley artists working on this show because it doesn't leave much to the imagination as he's taken apart the the person on the slab. Man, some of the production and some of that stuff that's coming out now is just next level. Like mm-hmm. the, the immersiveness in it, even though that you're not visually seeing anything, it's like, boom, here it is. So descriptive and like subtle cues and some sounds and all that go a long way in, in some of the stuff. So very, very cool. All right, man. Well, let, let's hit the, the final news topic for this week with our wrap-up of Moon Knight, Disney's fifth, or Disney Plus's fifth live-action MCU series. And it's really the first to feature a new set of characters with no apparent ties or even cameos in the show of existing MCU characters or even storylines. And so big first foray, big push into creating new content inside of the MCU on Disney Plus. The other four shows do rely on 
other characters that we've seen know and love from the films over the course of the better part of a decade in some cases with those and so this one is really carried i think by oscar isaac and his portrayal of the dueling personalities of both mark specter and steven it's got some cool concepts in there that does introduce to the mcu the egyptian hierarchy this what is it the scarlet scarab i really like the wonder woman kind of 2.0 type thing in there and moon knight himself is pretty cool but i will say man I kind of struggle with this one a little bit more so than I have with really any MCU property. Mm-hmm. I found that this one had a hard time getting a solid footing underneath the story before it zipped off and tried to do something different. This one could have been a longer series. In my opinion, they could have added more episodes or split into two seasons and pulled out some of the stories that they, they, they tried to lay the foundation or do the groundwork for. I just, I never felt myself given enough time to connect to something other than Steven was the stat. Even Mark Spector. I was kind of like, eh, this just feels like Poe Dameron, but just a little more evil. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that's where it fell apart. You could, you could kind of see where Oscar Isaac fell in love with playing Steven Mm -hmm. as opposed to playing Mark Spector. And maybe it's because Mark is so close to Poe Dameron and, but you needed to establish more of Mark Spector uh, to carry the story forward and then have Steven uh, have a role that Mark then recognizes is important, which is kind of something they get to. But when it's all Steven and they're, he's, he's just a hard character to connect with because he's so frantic all the time and all over the place. But then when you get to, episode five which is honestly one of the strongest episodes of mcu tv i think where you're getting the origin story for the dissociative identity disorder and he's Mm. going through the traumas that he's faced that was amazing but because you've spent so much time with steven it doesn't resonate through the whole series and elevate the whole thing it kind of makes a lot of the preceding bits a bit of a waste of time and then it also highlighted that Conchu was way too much of a focus in the show yeah where instead of being a bit of a specter in his mind and something plaguing him he was just this kind of big over-the-top character that was always there so he spent too much time with Steven and with Conchu and you really missed Mark and you gave Harrow no agency and no story, and you don't flesh out his motivations enough. And you kind of walk on them when you need to. Like you have the Egyptian pantheon who's supposed to have eyes everywhere and know what's going on. And it's like, Harrow, are you bad? No? Okay, fine. Conchu, you, you become a statue. It's like, what? Aren't you guys supposed to be the Egyptian pantheon? You can kind of look into things through through dead people and everything else. But um, yeah. But I think the biggest thing with Moon Knight for where it fell apart, I didn't mind that they used the costumed identities as sparingly as they did. That that was okay. Um, It wasn't something that bothered me. Like I said, when we talked about the first couple episodes, I didn't think that the the behind-the-camera stuff was overly great. However, for the first time ever, there's an MCU product that did not stick the landing. And that's where the whole show starts to fall apart because that mm-hmm. sixth episode just kind of came out of nowhere and it was so big and so over the top, but you just 
did not care about anything that they were battling over in that final episode because they'd done such a poor job managing the story before that, that it was just kind of this big CG fest and instead of a blue beam in the sky, you had these battling Egyptian gods in the background and just... like It felt like very Power Ranger-esque, like that whole battle, like the big things. Yeah. Like... I don't know, like, and, and to, to much of your point about that fifth episode, and even, I, and I don't even, it kind of all bleeds together for me right now, but even the the whole, what is in that room, like, what happened? Like, mm-hmm. why wasn't that put to us in episode one or two? And that's, like, this through line through the whole show, and eventually you get to see what's behind the door, like, what has actually happened to split these characters, these personalities up, like, they're, they're like that being one of the last things you see, there's no emotional weight to it because you've just spent five episodes trying to sort through this and they didn't didn't leave you with a a cause or the nucleus of it at the start of the show. And it's kicking mm-hmm. off with with Steven too, that becomes your your way into the show because he's the first character you're introduced to. Maybe starting off with Mark and it transitioning into Steven by the second episode. But most people identify immediately with Steven being Moon Knight, being that character, and him being the the primary focus, like the primary character inside of that body. Like mm. that's how most people, at least that's how I took it, not having any experience with with Moon Knight. I know Mark Spector is like the main guy, but Steven becomes like the primary audience entry point and when that is kind of mixed up towards the end where it's flipped on its head and it actually becomes about mark it just doesn't transition well for me yeah you just they didn't spend enough time with mark like Mm. and if you want to do more with steven sure but you it needs to be at least a 50 50 yeah proposition and the reality is is that like not just because comic books or blah 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 but mark specter is the main Mm -hmm character he's the main personality he's the kid that went through the trauma that caused these other characters or the other identities to be created but he's also the guy that was the mercenary that makes a deal with Conchu and yeah. the guy that was married to Layla but they and get that so late <laughs> yeah and and so fleetingly like his marriage and all that stuff was just kind of lip service almost mm-hmm. so it's hard to care about the guy who's at the core of the story when you don't spend any time with them mm-hmm. and it's even like the in episode five the emergence of both of the characters inside of whatever that is like the asylum and all that like mm-hmm. you don't have enough contextualization of what is happening to make that impactful them meeting for the first time and in moving through that scene and into what happened with his parents and all that like there, there's a good story in here it's just in the wrong order i think yeah, the wrong order, and I think like a more shrewd showrunner could have probably put this thing together in a more digestible manner. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and like why why even have like the Jake Lockley thing on the table? You didn't need it at all. It, it was almost just for the purpose of having like a post credit scene stinger at the end. Like, mm-hmm. and I I kind of like that element of it though like the and again i wasn't familiar with jake lockley but the teases throughout that there's a third personality in there i'd really like Mm -hmm. that that there was someone that was even beyond mark specter someone that would go to the nth degree to do whatever 
I kind of like that tease, but you, I don't know if you need it in a post credit, like to be slapped kind of in the face with it. I like the subtlety of it. And if it develops in a Moon Knight movie or in something else or in season two, or whatever, sure, let that linger. But I, I thought that was a nice piece of intrigue that never got answered. And then it, it kind of does. Yeah. Like the way they presented Jake Lockley, though, was it kind of walked on Mark Spector. And what you maybe needed was like the affluent put together version of a character, mm-hmm. which Jake Lockley isn't. That's historically been Stephen Grant, who's like a businessman type yeah. character. So, like, that would be where the limousine comes from and all that other stuff, right? But I, I don't know. It was just, it was just weird. It's like they started playing with it, and there was things that Oscar Isaac liked doing and mm-hmm. so that's what they focus the show on which is which is fine but it doesn't seem like it resonated very well with people once the show came to a conclusion so mm-hmm. yeah like i said swapping a few things around maybe longer maybe two seasons uh, it, yeah it was it was a debate that was thrown up on on twitter a little bit there and you know, this is this is not a show that I'm going to revisit. Unfortunately, like it just, it's one of the very few MCU products that does not resonate me <laughs> with me a whole bunch. Like Oscar Isaac was great, but like you said, the overuse of Conchu and even like the the actress, I really liked her, but again, she's sidelined and then has this kind of real Wonder Woman esque entry and doing like the crossband thing and some cool stuff there, but. Again, it's just a little too little too late for me on, on a lot of that. Like, I, yeah. I think they could have done more, but I don't when, know. When, like, when they play with the Egyptian avatars thing, then you start walking on the dissociative identity disorder. Yes. Right? So it's like... 100%. Yeah. What? It, yeah. Like, what story are you telling? And yeah, like, and I, I liked what they did with... May Calloway's Layla, like she was cool. She looked fantastic and she was a fun character to be around. But then like, I don't know. She also had some of the worst moments in the, in the show. Like mm-hmm. the, are you an Egyptian superhero? It's like, holy smokes. Like, could you be any more on the nose? Like we want to put look this out and the a universe. nod. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. There's, I'm all for brown people as superheroes. Like, Trust me, more than anybody. I just bought an action figure on the weekend and I picked the one with the brownest paint on it. But like stuff like that is just, ugh, it feels amateur hour to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, this this unfortunately was a subpar show for me. I know there's people that liked it and enjoyed it and I'm really, really happy that those that people were able to find something special in this, but just did not land for me, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So Moon Knight, there it is. There it is. As we kind of close this thing out, we'll see what's next. I think Miss Marvel is next. And so that should yeah. be an interesting one to see how that is, how that kind of lands out. It is built on the foundation of of an MCU character, kind of, in the, the concept of Captain Marvel. But Miss Marvel, again, being a brand new character, brand new supporting cast, and just tugging on a few little concepts from the MCU that, that exists. And so it's another foray into introducing a new character a new dynamic, new dimension, all this kind of thing. So I'm looking forward to that one. we got She-Hulk as well, uh, maybe later this year. I'm not sure if that comes out this year or not, but um, really starting to, to build out 
quite a library of Disney Plus shows here. And I think for me, Moon Knight's the first one to to call, kind of fall flat here. So let's see what's next for us in uh, in the space and how they, they build things out. But um, we shall see in the not-too-distant future here, man. I believe that comes out in June, Miss Marvel, actually. So we're not too far away from that because I think it overlapped or could have overlapped with Obi-Wan Kenobi and they kind of move things around a little bit to make oh, sure okay. that that didn't happen. Um, I might be wrong there, but I'm pretty certain it comes out towards the end of June. Um, so, but anyways, let's, uh, let's wrap this new segment up for this week and head over to the plastic portion of this podcast. We're talking about collecting comics and all the stuff we love to collect. So let's head over to our week in nerd. All right, here it is. Ladies and gentlemen, it's our week in nerd where we like to discuss things that we are picking up on the hunt, the things we're collecting, and the ways we're trying to just temper that plastic anxiety. So, Carlos, I, I gotta say, it has been consistently slow for me on the hunt here, but I did get a nice little piece. It is a little bit behind me, so I can't show you right now. But my mom, a few months ago, spent a bit of time down in Disney World. And I said to her, all right, mom, if you're going all the way to Disney World, you got to pick something up for me. And so I had her on the hunt down there grinding away looking for there's a Mandalorian four pack, a Disney Park exclusive of droids. And it's got like the lava droid from season one of the Mandalorian from that final episode and a few other droids. I posted a picture of it up on Twitter and I've always loved getting these park-exclusive packs. I've got them from Star Tours, and I've got a representation from each of the sequel trilogy films. They're nicely packaged. And my mom was able to find me one. They're a little difficult to get. And so she was able to pull it out. She said, look, this is my present to you. I loved it because it was like 50 US dollars. <laughs> um, oh. So it wasn't cheap. And it's a nice addition to my ever-growing Disney Park-exclusive Star Wars 3-3-quarter-inch collection. The Star Tour stuff I've always, always loved, and this is just a nice little supplemental piece to it. And again, like my Star Wars collection, and like I showed off on our YouTube, the YouTube video I posted over on our YouTube channel, I like having a personal connection to things. And I have a little bit of a story. And so her texting me the entire trip being like, I can't find it. I can't find it. Where do I look? She ended up finding it in Disney Springs and was like ecstatic about it. And I said, mom, pause there for one second. Just a second. That feeling, that's part of the reason I collect. Hmm. That just like euphoric moment when you discover or find something swinging from the pegs that you just thought wasn't going to be there. And whew, there it is. That's amazing. Oh, that's quite the ad, man. That's sweet and an awesome story to go with it. Yeah, yeah. So how about you, man? Did uh, I know there's a, there's a few things out there, but you had a pretty epic week last week with that big Batman find. Anything, yeah. Uh, anything to report this week? Well, yeah, and I was like intentionally going to take it chill this week, but uh, Friday I get the call to head down to my EB games because the big number two... That is Clayface, Basil Carlo, McFarlane Toys figure had arrived. So I don't know what there is to say about this guy. He is a big piece of muck and uh, all sorts of awesome, like absolutely huge. Like the wharfs, anything else on my 
on my little display shelf and I had to move a whole pile of stuff around <laughs> to be able to accommodate him. But he's super cool. I ended up doing a, an unboxing video. So hopefully that's on our YouTube channel soon. It will be and... before this podcast goes up. So it'll well, be there you there. Go. As, as, as you're listening, it'll be there. Yeah. So yeah, if you want to check that out, it's a uh, short and sweet and very amateur as uh, all my <laughs> unboxing videos are. So I was cool with that. But then uh, my buddy wanted to get a hang in before before my birthday or whatever. So he's like, you know what? Why don't we just uh, swing up to Airdrie and poke around and went into to that New Horizon mall. Ended up uh, for my other buddy that has a birthday coming out. But I bought him the Intellivision Tron game nice but it actually came in like the box and i got it for like 15 bucks but yeah it was just this crazy old tron game from back in the day so um he's a big fan of that movie franchise so grabbed that for him and walked past some fig store and just calling to me i kind of looked and i was like hey what's that is that for sale and another clone trooper ended up coming home oh. but uh yeah, yeah and he was just like loose and back there so like 15 20 bucks or whatever for a black series you can't go wrong so i was like ah and it was like the ahsoka trooper too so yeah got another clone trooper at home and then we ended up at our boy dave's and uh he might have had a fresh case of mcfarlands that were ready to come home with me so I ended up grabbing the Rebirth Batman and the Damian Wayne Robin in like his new like Infinite Frontier costume with the black and gray. And he's a really cool figure. I posted some pictures on my Twitter feed. And uh, I got the Batman of uh, Zeringara, uh, which is this crazy Batman who's like this kind of mental failsafe that Bruce puts into his head and when they reveal him he's got like a purple cowl and a red and yellow okay. suit and yeah. stuff and yeah and my it was so funny because my buddy walks into the store and he's like picks it up off the shelf he's like oh who's gonna buy this car and I'm like that is amazing I can't believe that they made that and I was like I'm buying this and he's like oh sorry dude. gonna have to find your own ride back to Calgary oh man yeah <laughs> Grab those, and then uh, I, was, I had, like, flowers unlock for my wife for Mother's Day, but uh, I ended up finding the gold label Wonder Woman by Todd McFarlane, and she's actually quite different than the regular one. Nice. And so I was like, you know what? Flowers will wilt and die, but Uncle Todd's Wonder Woman will last forever. So that's uh, that's what she ended up getting for Mother's Day. Oh, that's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah, and on that note, happy Mother's Day, past Mother's Day, I guess we're – we're on to the other side of it, but uh, we didn't like get an opportunity. So for all the mothers out there listening or for those that of us that rely on our mothers to pick us up toys in Disney World, you know, thank you guys for, for being there for us forever. Here we go. This is this our weekend nerd, all about mom appreciation. Yeah, sponsored by our moms. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really cool, man. I love, love hearing that McFarlane's are still flowing into the house. <laughs> oh man, like it it's nuts lately. Like and I I'd like to say there was a backlog, but I've never really had a nice lull and a chance to catch my breath. That's because every week Uncle Todd puts out a new wave of McFarlane's. I I swear. Like in fact I got a text from like our plastic dealer and he's like, Oh, got these like this build a horse Legends of the Dark Knight wave in 
I was like, man, they're cool. And that horse is one of the most incredible build-a-figure things ever. Like a to scale seven inch or like to scale with seven inch figures, massive black horse that you can mount Batman on the saddle and everything. But I'm just like, dude, I like, honestly, I, I have the money and the desire, but I don't have the room for no. these things. So yeah, I, I had to take a knee on those ones, but, uh, and to uncle Todd's credit, you know, because we're convinced that he listens to this podcast. He does. Thank you. For putting out the Spawn, the Spawn, not DC Multiverse, but the Spawn weapons pack that comes with, it's just a package full of guns, 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 and more guns. (laughs) And so it's solicited as being compatible with all seven inch figures, which I thought was kind of cheeky. It also comes with a couple guns that are akin to ones that you know maybe a red hood would use but there couldn't be for red hood because you nope. can't have guns with that figure and then it was weird because like spawn i guess at some point in time has used a handgun with a long big long elongated barrel <laughs> it's like something like a clown would use but uh, i don't know i don't know what character in spawn <laughs> would use that but uh yeah it, it made me chuckle so yeah for 15 bucks you can get Loads and loads of guns, so I think I'll order a few of those and uh, have a nice little stockpile here. So, yeah, Uncle Todd, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I, when you sent me that today, I was like, "Wow!" And the best thing about it was, yeah, it is branded as Spawn, not DC, but it's clearly <laughs> for, or maybe not, but it's clearly for the DC stuff. Well, there's there's a clown in Spawn that uses a big long gun like that. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh man i always love hearing the collecting stories and the fact that you're kind of all over the city too and up to seeing dave and ah, i gotta get back up there i gotta get back on the hunt here it's been it's been slow going but all by design a little bit here and i am glad that the marvel legends specifically the mcu stuff that i am a completist on only comes out about every three months or so if i'm was trying to consume a the hundred and eighty dollar wave. <laughs> now that's Marvel Legends. Every you know, a couple weeks, I'd be flat broken, divorced. <laughs> yeah, no, that it is nice to be able to, like, it wasn't even a hundred bucks, and I bought all those figures at Dave's. I could barely buy two Marvel Legends now for that. Yeah, just put that yeah, in it context. Was, <laughs> it was cool, and then he's like, "Hey, do you want a Drifter Bruce? I'll give you one for ten bucks." I'm like, "Nope." Oh man, he's got so many of those. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh man well guys if if you're out there and you're on the hunt and you want to share an experience of that with us just just drop us a line use use we the nerd or hit us up on twitter or whatever i always love hearing the different stories and how you connect to your collections how you connect to the different hunt stories or what you're chasing right like everyone's got a story there and i love absolutely love hearing that and that's what we try to share with you guys each and every week here in our weekend nerd but with all that being said, man, it's time to wrap up the episode for this week. And if you'd like to be a bigger part of the show, you can always email us at thenerdroom at gmail.com. You can find everything that we do over the nerdroom.net. The hunt is real. It's over on Instagram at the nerdrm and YouTube. This is a big promo piece I want to put out there. We've got lots of videos between action figures, this new big DC piece that carlos is putting out there you know he is supplementing that content we've got some star wars stuff up there it's it's all over the place but it's all toy focused and you're sure to find something whether it's a room tour a fig unboxing a vlog whatever it's all there for you guys to consume so head over to the nerd podcast 
on YouTube, give subscribe, like, and comment on those videos. And last but not least, you can always find us talking, chatting on Twitter. Our handles are at the end of the episode. So, Carlos, with all of that being said, one last reminder on this episode. We've got our Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness review coming out tomorrow on Friday. So we got two episodes dropping into the feed this week. So go over there and enjoy that. We want to make sure we got the news piece and also got the review for the biggest film in the world right now out and in the feed for this week. So Carlos, we'll be back next week talking all things stars, Marvel and DC. But until then, for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. And I'm Batman. And thank you so much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, Sanjay, and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, Sanjabi, and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from the Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to the Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from the Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.